Well, uh, welcome, uh, more to come listeners to another episode of Stargazing. Uh, I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor of Publishers Weekly and, uh, co-editor of PW Comics World and editor of The Fanatic. Uh, and I'm here with Meg Lemke, PW's graphic novels, uh, review editor. How you doing, uh, Meg? I'm doing pretty well. I'm excited to be back in Brooklyn. I was away a little bit in the summer and Calvin and I were just saying, you know, New York is doing pretty well. It's doing good. Hey. Uh, knock on wood. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so that's great. Uh, it's always good to, uh, to talk to you and it's always good to talk about, uh, cool books that, uh, w- that happen to be reviewed in Publishers Weekly. So yeah, stargazing. Right. So we're going to talk about starred reviewed books, which mm-hmm. are titles that, um, my, our reviewers who are anonymous, but very qualified comics uh, experts felt were notable and extremely well done. And that's always a huge variety of titles, but we tend to talk about the ones that I also really liked. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? And the ones I like too. So the first one to lead in from that is one that Calvin loves. I really love this book. That's not just like, this is a joke my daughter, my nine-year-old tells a lot. I didn't like it. Pause. I loved it. (laughs) Well, uh, you can quote me on. I'd say ditto for me. Um, uh, yeah, I, you know, just cut me off when I've talked about this book too much. But yeah, look, this is, um. Oh, wait, we uh, should say the title. I don't think we Yes, I guess title. we should talk about. Well, why don't you go ahead? I'll, I'll get The title there. is Chasing the Bird, Charlie Parker in California. It's by Dave Chisholm. And, uh, it's come from Z2, who I don't think we've had on the podcast to date. Uh, so, yeah, no, we have, not, I guess we not, haven't had their books me. on. I've actually interviewed, uh, Josh Frankel, the, one of the, uh, <laughs> the co, oh, co- yeah, one of the co-founders on sorry. the podcast. On our segment. We haven't had on our segment. Yes. So this is a, a <laughs> yes. star review for them. Um, um, but Calvin loved this. Calvin's a big jazz head. I am indeed. Head. I'm, I am a jazz head. Um, uh, uh, I really love this book. Hey, look, what Dave Chisholm has done is really, uh, really a wonderful accomplishment. He's really brought together a wide variety of personal narrative and research and just basic historical biographical information about Charlie Parker. And if you don't know who Charlie Parker is, Charlie Parker uh, is one of the most revered and influential uh, alto saxophonist uh, composers in the jazz tradition. Uh, 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 historically, um, Miles Davis, uh, the great, uh, jazz trumpeter. He, he once he said, um, uh, "You can sum up the the history of Ameri- of, of jazz in the in this country in four words: Louis Armstrong, Charlie Parker." So what what Dave uh, has done is done a, a very uh, a, a capital biography of Charlie Parker, focused on an, on a particular period in his life. Uh, it was like a two year period, starting about 1945. Uh, Charlie Parker's based in New York. The, 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 he is also kind of one of the architects of bebop, this new form of thinking about jazz and thinking about improvising that came out of the 1940s. Um, uh, you, you'll recognize certain names like Miles Davis, Dizzy Gillespie, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, Bud Powell. These are also his collaborators in what was then known as the bebop, 
Revolution. Uh, and uh, it was situated in, in Harlem in New York and in in particularly around a nightclub called Mittens. But in 1945, him and Dizzy took a, uh, took a band to California. And what Dave Chisholm does is kind of study this two-year period and to give you a history of Bird, to give a history of his life, uh, his troubles. He was addicted to drugs. He was addicted to heroin but also alcohol, and it brought great tragedy into his life. And in some ways, in some ways, sort of obscures his musical genius. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but he's also it also follows the development of the music. His 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 role as really uh, a, the genius improviser of bebop of the time, and it looks at him as a musical genius who continues to influence jazz musicians today, as well as the tragic implications of drugs and alcohol in his life. So. Uh, 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 it, it's told through, uh, and excuse me if I'm going on or on, it's told oh, through, okay. I think it is six personal narratives. Uh, these are well known in the history of jazz. Uh, some of them are in books that have been recorded, uh, of different people who know Parker through his life. One in particular, Dizzy Gillespie, uh, the great trumpeter, bebop, uh, collaborator of, of Parker. John Coltrane, uh, the great tenor saxophonist. Uh, who really exists kind of on a par with Bird and Louis Armstrong is completely transforming, uh, the music after him. Uh, uh, Ross Russell, uh, who owned Dial Records and was his record producer at, Vir- at, at Virtue, at, at different times, and also was a kind of a historian of the jazz scene himself. Anyway, and others, uh, Julie McDonald, a sculptor and his lover who had a relationship with him for a time and wrote in detail, and also did a famous sculpture of him as well. So mm. I can go on and on. All of these papers. It's, they, it's a kind of Rashomon narrative. I mean, it, not exactly. exactly but, well, yeah, exactly, not exactly, because they do, it's about like a disappearance where he is on tour. Like That's how they structure the, that's how uh, the stru- narrative is structured. Yes, he's on focus tour, on his he tour. He disappears mm-hmm. from a while, and we have a mystery. The narrative pull is this mystery of where he goes. And each of these different figures plays out in the comic their experiences of his disappearance. And what's so cool about it is that they, there's a representation of the improvisational style in the artwork itself. So the artwork itself has this kind of um, improvisational nature of it, where each section has a totally different art style. And there's that was really impressive to me. I mean, he pulled it off. He did an amazing job of kind of almost... You know, and there was, it, I was going to say, almost just completely switching styles in the way that, um, you know, Rob Sukoriak does, but to yes. match musical styles. In some ways, he sort of mimed art. musical, like as if you yeah. were, you know, as you change uh, keys uh, and you move through different kinds of scales in a musical right. piece, he was able to bring in a different visual style. For each of the narratives that he talked about. So you're absolutely right. <laughs> he gave it a quasi-musical kind of like uh, infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like each art style completely reflected the viewpoint of the character telling their reflection of um, Parker. So the sculptor has this very kind of earthy sculptural style in some ways to the art. Um, there's a kind of like buttoned up, you know, foppish character who is very intellectual in his encounter with Parker, and that has this uh, ornate, you know, or kind of like really detailed style. Um, 
And then through it, there's also this repeated motif of these um, cubic, the cubism that reflects. Well, that's another, uh, I think, ingenious aspect to the book uh, that uh, Dave is able to bring to it is visual representations of music, trying Mm -hmm. to recreate uh, how a sound looks. And that's kind of a clever and kind of inventive part of the book. But really what, uh, but really the ultimate impact of this book, I have to say, is that it really does circle around Parker and it kind of focuses on both the mythology of his life because Parker is this classic figure, this genius American young black writer in a time of vicious, vicious racism mm-hmm. who like was a burning comet of creativity and then died for his art almost. Now, obviously this is mythology. I mean, mm-hmm. he died for a variety of reasons. Uh, including American racism, mm-hmm. but he's able to bring that aspect of it then balanced against all of these accounts are very well read. It isn't necessarily the uh, uh, original research into Parker's life, but it really is uh, deft, a deft kind of bringing it all together in one place and kind of turning it into a current, into a coherent narrative, but that it's also kind of has a musical structure itself. So anyway, enough from me. <laughs> Am I correct, about Kevin, this book. Kevin, did you tell me that this was authorized also by Parker's family? Now, that's another interesting Yeah, This was authorized because, as I, I didn't mention, this is also the centennial of Charlie Parker's birth. Uh-huh. He was 100 years uh, old in this year. And the Charlie Parker estate uh, actually was, you know, put out a call looking to do a graphic novel biography. And I think that's how Dave got involved in it. And uh, he is a fascinating character himself. He is a cartoonist, and he is a jazz trumpeter. He is also a Ph.D. in jazz studies and teaches mm. in, I think, the SUNY system in Rochester. So he's this ridiculous unicorn media figure who loves comics, who is a practicing jazz musician, and who is a jazz academic. He's a very good artist. Too. It's also, this fantastic coloring by yes, uh, Peter yes, by Peter as well. Peter Markowski, I believe it is. He's an animator guy who yeah. brought in to do because the color is voluminous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, in the review. <laughs> yes, as I said. Yes. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, so you know, we think we think also that um, this book is really special. The final version includes a flexi disc. Which yes, which say, we have not, not heard. heard. Yes, it's gonna come, guys. And, and I have to say also is that you know one of the things that Z two does, which which they really are specializing in doing, graphic works about music or that uh, that are music they're intrinsically involved in music, and they do a variety of formats. Uh, there is also a very high end uh, you know collector's edition, oversized, beautiful paper, color, prints. So if, for the collector. Is out there, and uh, you go to the Z2 Comics website, and there's that. But there's also the trade edition, which apparently is selling fairly well too. So um, this is a special book uh, all around. So this is out now. It, it's uh, published in September. Yeah, there you go. So get a copy. Write Calvin, and he'll probably write you back because he really loves. <laughs> go out and get it. You, you, uh, you know, tell Calvin sent you. Yeah, I was impressed. And, you know, we said in the review, uh, our anonymous reviewer said, it's an innovative exemplar of the graphic bio form, which, you know, it really is. You know, there's so much in graphic bio. Sorry, I, I went tangential from the quote I was trying to get from the review. <laughs> but, the, you know, graphic bio is a little saturated at this point. This one stands out. There you go. Um, 
It will win over Parker fans and Jazz newbies alike. Just saying. Okay. So, <laughs> talk about another title. Um, so, I am personally, I really love this book. I want to talk about Maids from mm-hmm. Katie Skelly, which is out sure. from Fanographics. And that's out in October. So, it's going to be, it's October 1st, I believe, today. Yeah, so. That now. Um, so, Skelly, My Pretty Vampire, was her last book has really been building an audience for her very distinct stylized work, which has this kind of modish paper doll look to it. Um, you know, she's just an interesting figure. Also, she is a, she works at Film Forum, I believe. She's very, very smart um, and just thoughtful about the way that her work picks up on kind of pulpy and um, campy, influences, particularly coming from film. This is a representation of um, a historic crime that has already been replayed in films, documentaries, the Papin sisters in France in the 1930s. So in 1930s Paris, it's um, classic, uh, horrific class war crime where these maids who were working in service of a wealthy family um, ended up murdering the family that they were working with. <clears throat> Terrible, disgusting, dramatic way. Um, and the book, you know, is focused on the relationship between the sisters. And there's just a sort of like bizarre just disposition between the pretty art and the horrifying aspects of the crime. I think the reviewer said, under the aggressively girly gloss, the tale rides with sex, violence, madness, and rebellion. So I I really enjoyed this work. You know, I think crime fiction has this salacious aspect to it, but there was something very unusual about the way that Skelly represented it. It uh, took a different approach than some of the other works, which have been a little bit more... Um, sensationalistic in some ways where I think they were found naked in bed together. These two sisters is in a lot of kind of film that's played up the kind of French incest angle. Whereas this is much more about the um, history of the girls and the abusive family situation they came from and the fact that they've been separated and the possibility that one of them had, uh, well, I mean, clearly since they brutally murdered people, some mental health issues um, and it was a lot about codependency, it's, but all of this is, is drawn in this really stylized fashion art way. So it's both sort of frothy and light in the artwork and like deeply, deeply disturbing. And she's similar to Julia Gaffer in that way and other artists um, who are coming up to do a lot of work in body horror. And yet she somehow does this in this very kind of pretty fashion. That's yeah. my and cap of Skelly's work. And <laughs> I, you know, I think this is also a weightier book for her in a lot of ways. She's had a lot of work, mm. you know, that's um, been well liked, but this is a really fully realized work. And I think that I hope it's something that will catapult her to more attention. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a skillful kind of, uh, I mean, I, I guess you could call it historical in a sense because it, it, it is re, you know, taking this, this, um, um, well researched this this horrible murder, uh, yeah. and uh, you know, turning it into a kind of historical study 
Uh, it's interesting that uh, it, it, it's a it, it's a very obsessively um, engaging kind of crime demented uh, look at class warfare and decadence. You know, you kind of or, or so it seems to me. Um, uh, so it does have that gloss to it. I do think that the, the perhaps maybe the criticisms of it are that it gets to be. Uh, the decadence of the work, you know, kind of turns into a style almost. Mm-hmm. But believe me, it is a page turner, and uh, the combination of its like uh, really hyper stylistic illustrations, the obsessive uh, relationship between the two sisters, and of course the um, the class warfare, the class hierarchy of French society, and the frankly clueless. Um, uh, uh, employers of these two young women, um, you can kind of, you know, it, you're you're kind of on a roller coaster heading, uh, heading toward the end. I mean, you can kind of see it coming as you um, survey the characters' interactions. So, but I mean, uh, I think what I find so compelling about it is that her characters kind of look like LOL dolls. If you're familiar with well, that, well, they do. Yeah, nine year old relevance. <laughs> but that's, I mean, I mean, that's the they're, the they're, kind of. The 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 sheen on it, the genre sheen to a certain degree. These stylishly drawn paper doll girls, uh, like like gouge out the eyes, (laughs) and the grim uh, ending that that uh, that we're heading for. Uh, Katie just also has such a deep um, perspective (laughs) on why. I mean, I think something that would really urge people to do who read this work is to look at the interview we did at PW that Shannon Gary did. Mm And others that she's engaging with, um, you know, she's a critic also. I've seen her do some work recently in, at the Comics Journal. And, um, like, for example, Shannon asked her, did you see parallels between the 1930s class tensions and today? And Katie answered, I think we're approaching a similar critical mass. Um, you know, that this was such a shocking crime uh, that it was so catastrophic the public couldn't comprehend it. And the Pavan sisters like the gassy sensational aspects into shockwaves of the upper class psyche. And that that is kind of what one of the cultural moments that led to this mini labor revolution. And there was an eight hour workday established lunch breaks. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of this book is about the way that being in service was so oppressive and exploitative that there is something where you have a sympathy, if not a, an understanding um, she says not an, a sympathy, but an empathy with the mm. barbarism of how they approached this. And of course, the the, the, the two sisters are clearly wounded mm-hmm. from the grim circumstances of their, you know, their childhoods. Uh, like it's not it's not an explainer. <laughs> no, that the, the explaining a, is not there, and in some way that makes it perfect uh, a perfect kind of page turner because it is kind of a, a canvas. That you can stretch an infrastructure mm-hmm. of social critique around, but mm-hmm. that said, uh, it has a compelling narrative refrain and a kind of like you know boulder down the hill uh, momentum uh, because we we do kind of anticipate that you know mm-hmm. a tragic explosion is coming our way. There's this sense when you're reading it that you're reading this sort of lighter narrative, and then you realize you're just wool watching this bloody, bloody murder unfold. Yeah. And that's what I found really <laughs> yeah. impressive uh, about the work. So, um, and Kelly's, you know, Kelly's drawing style, obviously it it's about as far from 
uh, realistic as you can get. And it really does turn, I mean, it, it sometimes can be hard to get away from this, it's, it's sense of pop, the pop cultural side that is just, that is, you know, uh, overt style. Uh, yeah, but I think that connects it in a way to our kind of contemporary understanding. Yes. About, they, they look, I mean, they look like all the other Skelly characters who have this very yeah. similar almond shaped eyes, like as if you're a child drawing a fashion doll. And yet, they are these specific people in history. So I think there's something to that where she, she has a very distinctive style. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. So it's like her take on this. And I think in that, there's something that I, I would uh, call ambitious and that there's been a number of films and other representations of this work in the past. And so she's, she's also approaching it. She's doing something that many people yeah. do, put their own sheen and mark on a historical event. Um, but that is out in October. How are we doing on time? Should we talk about one more book? Yes, let's do. So the other title that we were going to at least briefly talk about is, um, I think, an anticipated release. Uh, it's Sophie Yano's The Contradictions, which uh, won an Eisner Award um, for autofiction in its web release. So this is a webcomic series. And it's an auto. sorry, it, didn't, it won an Eisner Award for, um, for web comics, but it is autofiction. So it's not a a memoir, but it's taking a character that is clearly very much representing Sophie and taking her through an adventure that she also similarly yeah. had. <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean, there certainly seems to be a clear autobiographical, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, driver to this. Yeah, um, it's them being Q, so but, we're coming back around to them yeah. and then we try and space it out. They just do some really good books. And uh, it's out also now in September. Yes, but so, in some ways it's a classic tale of a you know of you know uh, going to school abroad. Um, yeah, America that, meets Europe. Sure. I mean, it's a you know in some ways it's almost like you know a little Edith Wharton. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know the you know the, the new world meets the old world. Uh, you know, uh, under a socialist <laughs> tent. <laughs> yeah, I mean to briefly summarize it, it's about twenty-year-old Yano who goes on her college foreign exchange program in Paris. Um, she's queer, she's socially conscious, she's trying to find herself and she, you know, there's a quote, so far I felt I had few stories worth telling. If something was going to change, surely this is the place for it. You know, I really identified, I also went away in college on a European exchange sure. mm-hmm. and, um, also like Yano took a while just, uh, riding trains a bit, though she does it without, um, paying for that. <laughs> yes. I, uh, it's about, uh, Befriending someone who is idealistic and trying to measure up and trying to get a sense of your own moral compass in the world. So she befriends a woman named Zena, who is an anarchist, really uh, strident vegan, which is difficult to do in France. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, that's kind of the thing. Like, do you go hungry or do you not eat the cheese in Europe? Um, She doesn't have a phone, as I recall, or or it never works. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and there's a way that, like, this, there's a personality, there's this, uh, magnetic, slightly dominating personality that she's revolving around and getting kind of wrapped up with. And together they travel. And it's your classic, uh, yeah. trip tale, <laughs> hitchhiking through Amsterdam, Ghent, Berlin. Lefty chicks and, on the road, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, in Coming of Age. Um, but, the review said that Yano's invigorating clear line cartooning, which recalls Otto Soglo, perfectly matches her deadpan observational storytelling. It's appealing both indie comics fans and the cut. And on the cost of coming of age, and also people who are looking back, you know, to their own youthful follies. It's an assured smart chronicle, a winner. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I really, I really read it and felt like I got where she was coming from. That there was something vulnerable in the storytelling, and really something about like how we find ourselves in question, our place in the world, and our ideals. Uh, a lot about cultural conflict and kind of like uh, that fish out of water tale, um, grappling with wealth or lack of wealth you know it's and, and also you know it's a, it's a book to read right now when travel is so restricted yeah yeah it's, it's uh, from the before it. times well you know yeah. it has a great i think comic spirit as well as her mm-hmm. uh um uh as her uh uh presumptions about the culture collide with the realities mm-hmm. uh, of hitchhiking around europe uh, and, uh, it's, it's engaging all the way. And, 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 and Yana really does have, have a knack for the first person and for, um, laying out, um, the sort of, you know, the meandering road toward, you know, I guess greater self-knowledge that, you know, politics, college, travel, uh, and sex, you know, can, you know, bring to you over, over time, excuse me. It's about like walking the talk too, right? Sure. And how that isn't always as easy as it seems. And also what I think, again, really familiar to me, <laughs> sure. like going to college in Seattle with a lot of really idealistic people, finding the people who are, who seem the most idealistic and convinced of their own actions can be really shitty friends, you know? And that's, that's <laughs> yeah, kind right. of what it's about. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, how's that, huh? Three, uh, thoughtful, starred reviews three thoughtful books um uh go out and buy some of them huh why don't you yeah and we have some really good books coming up we'll be back to you soon comics is is doing a lot of incredible work right now absolutely and i think you're working on um you're working on the best books announcement oh i am wait this is just a tease but uh it's coming folks yeah best books of uh, the year all right Bad year overall, good year for comics. That, there you go. Bad year, good book. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, Meg, thanks so much. Um, good to talk to you. Thank you, Calvin.